Welcome to the HCC Podcast. Our mission is to nurture love for God, love for self, and love for others as the highest goal of humanity. May the following message nurture that love in your life. And remember, you're always welcome at HCC. It's a perfect church for less than perfect people. Peace. Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray that in this service right now, Father the God, that your Holy Spirit would have your way. God, that you would take this man who can't do this by himself. That your Holy Spirit would strengthen me to deliver a word that may be freeing to somebody in this room. So God, right now, I pray that you do with me what you did with Moses when you told him, I will be your mouth as you speak. And I pray that for every single person in this room that you would open up their minds to know, their eyes to see, and their ears to hear the truth of your word. So God, right now, for every single person in this room that may be going through a situation beyond their control that doesn't quite know which way is up and which way is down and may even have those questions of why isn't God doing what I know that he can? God, I pray that you would bring freedom in this house and help answer these hard questions of life. And it's in your name I pray. And everybody here said, amen Amen and amen. Would you look at your neighbor and tell them that they look great this morning? And would you have a seat? My God, maybe you've noticed this morning that there's a lot of questions in life that are hard to answer and maybe we can't seem to answer them. Like take, for example, why does everybody say the alarm clock goes off when we all know that it's just coming on? (laughs) I don't know, it just bothers me. Or we say things like we're going to drive on a parkway, but we park on a driveway. Or my just all-time favorite, When people say, why is it that, man, I slept last night like a baby? When we all know that a baby doesn't sleep throughout the entire night. Come on. (laughs) Which reminds me of this book that we're about to look at, the book of Habakkuk. And it's a book that isn't really preached on much. And he had some questions about God, and we're going to be looking at it. So if you would go in your Bibles there to chapter 1, we're going to be taking the next three weeks and going to chapter 1 this week, chapter 2 next, and chapter 3 the week after. But it's, it's this theme that why doesn't God seem to do what we want Him to? And we can sit here and say that we've never had that question, but we all know that we have because there's times in life where we prayed for something and we knew that God could do it, but then in the end we haven't seen the answer that we've been praying for and we ask God, hey God, why isn't this seem um, 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 fair? Why isn't it fair? And that's a tough question to answer. Why doesn't God seem that way? Why, why do I deal with this and the other person doesn't? Why, why do I know we've said this? Why do good things happen to bad people and, and, and bad things happen to good people? You know, why, why does that happen in life? Why isn't it fair? And it's so much so that he had these same thoughts where he says in chapter 1, verse number 2, How long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. 
or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Have we ever had those questions? If you fast forward from this Old Testament book to today, I, I believe people are asking the same questions all the time. Why is it that things just aren't happening the way that I want them to? Why is it that I work hard at work and I'm honest and I do things right and the other guy that isn't acting right or doing right, they get the promotion? God, why is it that we tried to raise our children according to your word and we've done everything that we know to do? We have prayed, we have sought after God, but they're just not living the life that we want them to live. God, why is it? it happening the way that I want them God I've been tithing God I've been doing what you told me to do but I've not seen the blessing that your word says comes with that and it's another sermon for another time but maybe just maybe the blessing that you get comes in a way that you weren't expecting but God what's up with this why is it that when they pray that need gets answered just like that. But when I pray, it seems like it takes years for something to happen. It doesn't seem right. So as we look through this book, we're going to find that he's asking these questions. And, and, and they're very sincere questions. And some of you may say, well... If he's asking these questions, right, then he must not be a deep believer in Christ. He must not be rooted in what he knows is right. And let me tell you something. He is. This man is deeply in love with Jesus. He's deeply in love with Christ. He, he, he hears every word that he says and does everything that he's supposed to. But he's just having, he's crashing head on with his faith and the law. And things that he sees doesn't line up with what he knows in his heart. And he has questions. Why isn't this happening the way that I want them to? He's in a hard season of life. Maybe many of you in this room can relate to that. So here's what I want to do. I want to set some context to this book and kind of bring a broader understanding of what's going on here. And I want to start with the basics. So this book is known as one of, as one of the 12 minor prophets. There's 12 books in the Old Testament. They're all smaller books. They are the minor prophets. This man is one of those 12. We don't know much about him. As a matter of fact, we probably know the least about him than any of the others. We know that he likely played music, and we'll learn more of that in chapter 3. But then at some point he became a priest and he became a prophet so what in the world is a prophet a prophet is someone who speaks on behalf of God now he's a little bit different in the sense that he would go to God on behalf of the people he would go to God with complaints now we all know that's not right because nobody ever complains about anything right But he would go to God with these complaints and here's what God would say. God would say, okay, now I, I, I hear you, but here's what I want you to tell the people. And so then he was tasked with this job to go prophesy or to speak whatever God had told them. Now, this book was written in about the year 600 B.C., give or take just a tad bit. We're not exactly sure the exact date, but it was a time period where God's people were becoming very corrupt. They were going away from the things that they knew were right. They were going away from the things of God. There were quarrels. There was violence. There was corruption. There was ungodliness. There was war. And if you really look at it, you could say that we kind of live in those days right now. 
And so he's got these questions and he doesn't understand why things are happening the way that they are. So he goes to God with these complaints as if, God, why are you doing this? And then God gives him an answer that Habakkuk doesn't like very much. We've all had that happen, right? And I want you to listen to kind of what happens. But this book, his name literally means to embrace. It means to wrestle. And what we're going to find out through this book is we're going to see this man wrestle with God through some of the hardest things in life. But at the same time that he's wrestling with why things are happening the way that they are, we see him embrace a God in such a way that... And let me tell you something. When you embrace God, people can say what they want. They can do what they do. But you know who Jesus Christ is in you. And so he's embracing God. And so a lot of you may be having these same questions. So now with this context built, I want to dive into this book. Start in chapter 1, verse number 1. If you have your Bibles, I want you to read along with me. In verse number 1, it says, The oracle that this prophet received. Now, what's an oracle? The Hebrew word, Masal, it simply means doom. It means burden. It means that God had given him a message that he didn't like very much. Okay, so God gives him this message. And in fact, what we're going to find out in these later um, passages is that he kind of pushes back against God. And so we seem to think, well, we're not supposed to do that, right? We're not supposed to ask questions. We're not supposed to push back to God. But I hope that throughout this message, I can show you that it's okay to have questions and still believe that he's in control. So in chapter one, verse number two, again, we read, how long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. I cry out to you violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and conflict abounds. It says, therefore the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked him and the righteous so that the justice is perverted. He says, God, why do you make me look at this? Everything that I see on TV, everything that I read in the, the, the news just doesn't seem right, God. Why are you making me watch this unfold? Why are you making me look at this? God, why did you do it this way? Huh. Have you ever been in a situation where you were like, God, if you just do it this way, it'd be so much better. <laughs> but he doesn't always seem to work this way. So here's what we find. Real quick, he finds these major problems wrong. Number one, if you are taking notes, it's God doesn't seem to care. You're letting all these things go on in the world and it doesn't seem fair. God, you, you must not care. His, his next complaint to God was, you aren't doing much when you could. Now, there's some respect in this quote as if to say, God, I know that you could. God, I know that you're powerful. I know it's within your means to do something about it. But God, I'm seriously concerned with why you're not. I mean, if I were in your shoes, I'd do it this way. And see, what we don't realize a lot of times is that God doesn't always do it the way that we want him to because he sees years on down the road that we don't see yet. And he could very well be trying to maneuver us around something that we can't yet see. And if we'll just stand true to what I know the Bible tells me to do and do things his way, then we would kind of get out of all the trouble that we seem to get ourselves in. Amen? Amen. There are times where the enemy brings something against us, but there are times when we do a good job of that by ourselves. 
And then the third thing that he doesn't seem right is, is that, God, what you're doing just doesn't seem right. In other words, he's saying, God, if I would do things different, I guarantee you that every single person in here, if you had the courage to come up here and grab this microphone, you'd say the same thing. God, if you just do it my way, things would be different. So is it okay to ask questions as he's asking right here? Is it fair game to say, God, I don't understand. If you look at scripture, it's all throughout the Bible. In Psalms, one third of all the Psalms is somebody crying out to God for help. God, where are you? Um, David, when he wrote a bunch of the Psalms, he's simply saying, God, where were you when I was going through this? It's okay to ask questions. Look at Job. Job's a man who had everything in his world rocked and it was taking away from him, yet he still had questions as to why things were happening the way that they were. All throughout Bible, go to the New Testament and look when Jesus was up on the cross and even he had the questions, God, why have you... Did he not have the same thoughts? Here's where a lot of people are today. What do you do when what you see with your eyes is so different than what you believe in your heart? This was his challenge. On fire for God, right? And then all of a sudden, one day says, I'm not seeing what you see, God. I'm not seeing it. You're going to have to help me understand. Let me explain it like this. There's a person who doesn't know Christ. Let's pretend this is you for just a moment. Things aren't going the way that you want them to, but all of a sudden you come to church. You hear this message about being saved and you say, I want a little bit of what that guy's got. He's just a little bit crazy, so I won't go that far, but hey, I want just a little bit. And then you find out, wait a second, things are, things are actually pretty good, man. The, the pastor just preached the message that was exactly what I needed to hear. Man, that team just sang a song that was right on target. was exactly, listen, I went to Walmart. There was a parking spot right up front. Something must be going right. And you're like, man, things were going so bad. And then all of a sudden, now they're so great. But then before long, that sermon doesn't quite speak to you like it did before. You get in your car and that song is not your song. And you pray and instead of God doing what you ask, the opposite happens. And then one day someone you love gets sick and they don't get better. Or there's an accident or there's a problem and something beyond your control happens. And then what we get into is what a, a man by the name of Henry, um, 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 Henry Blackaby, he calls a crisis of, 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 of um, belief. God, I thought you were here. And you were doing everything I knew that was right. I was trusting you. But now things are different. I don't know what I believe anymore. And the sad reality is that many people in this room probably know somebody who has been through that. Who you thought everything was going great. Then all of a sudden something happened. And they began to lose faith. They lost the joy. They lost their hope. And typically what happens when you go in 
this mode, one of two different things can happen. One is that they'll be naive and just de- and just deny what's really happening and say, God, I know I'm sick, but you know what? I'm just going to say I'm healed and I'm good. I'm just not going to get any help. Or you lose your job. Hey, I don't need to go look for a new job, right? God's just going to provide for me. And don't get me wrong this morning. Do I believe that God can? I absolutely believe that he can. But sometimes God gives us common sense to go to a, a doctor that knows more than me and to go search for a job when I don't have one. Amen. But they would just, they would just deny what's real. But then there's another way that people can go. And they're like, God... I thought you were, but now I don't think you are, so I don't need you anymore. And they go right back to where they were before they knew God, which is if this is how it's going to be and you're not going to do what I thought you would do, then you must not be who I thought you were. And we can sit here and say, Pastor, there's no way that anybody would ever say that, but I can tell you, if you're watching online, if you're here in this room right now, there is somebody who has thought that phrase. That if God, if you're, if you're not going to do what I want you to do, then you must not be who I thought you were. Or here's what you can do. You can take the harder road and say, no matter what happens, God, I'm going to trust you anyway. It's why it's such a hard message to preach because I know that there's people who have felt this. I know that there's people who have had a rough go and just things piled up one after the other just can't explain and it's just, it's been tough. And they start to have questions on fire for one, on, on one hand, everything's going great. Then all of a sudden, questions about their faith and parents, can I tell you something right now? We live in a generation, in a culture, where people are asking more questions about their faith than they ever have before. They will look to you to be the rock in their life. That is why you have to be grounded in the Word. Because if we don't teach them what is right, the world will. And the world's not always going to do it like the Word of God tells me to do it. That's why as parents and spiritual parents, every single person in this room has a job to do. To make sure our children, and sometimes, can I say this, Lord, be, Lord, help me. I'm not even one month in, so please don't hate me. God, sometimes a parent's got to be a parent. And stop trying to be their friend. A parent's got to be a parent and say, look, I know you don't understand quite yet, and I know you've got questions. Ask the questions. Let's have the conversation. It's okay. But as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. God, help me this morning. It's a tough topic to deal with. And one I need to do a sermon series on called How to Believe in God When Everything Around Me Tells Me Not To. But this is life and this is real and we don't have all the answers. And I would love to say the easy answer is to just trust God. But let me tell you something. That's what we say and that's what we should do. But sometimes it's the hardest thing to do. Trust is the hardest thing to gain but the easiest thing to lose. I mean, what do you do when what you see isn't consistent with what you know in your heart? And you're not sure what to think about God. Well, you can be naive and deny the truth. You can 
You can just quit God all together or you can say, God, no matter what, I trust you and I promise you, church, listen to this pastor. God, help me. When you say, God, I trust you, God may take you on a journey. And it may not get better at first. Things may get worse. But let me just tell you, if you'll stick with God through all the hard times, through all the tough times, through all the things you may not quite understand, if you'll continue to stick with God no matter what He does around you, I can assure you that if you hold on to Him at some point, He's going to take you to a place of intimate relationship with Him, of trust and just safe and secure that you never ever thought that you dreamed possible. He's going to take you to a place where if you'll just hold on to His unchanging hand, no matter what the world says, no no matter what happens around you I know that my God is still good I know that my God is still true and say what you want to say do what you want to do but my God is real in my life amen somebody praise God this morning God help me today here's what's going to happen James tells us to consider it pure joy when I go through trial. What? Can we be real? Is it okay? <laughs> consider it joy when we go through trials. I don't think that's possible, God. But he says, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must complete its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, church, sometimes God takes you through the tough things so he can mature us and teach us and equip us so that when somebody else goes through the same thing, they don't have to deal with it like I dealt with it. Because as a child of God, it's my job to help through it God help me God may lovingly allow you to go through seasons of doubt questioning fear insecurities and unanswered questions because he's going to do something in you in that season that he couldn't do in you any other way and if we'll do what this prophet did if we will wrestle yet embrace wrestle yet embrace ask the questions but love him anyway you may have doubts you may be insecure but if you'll trust God anyhow he'll always see you through some of you this morning you're in chapter one you have what I call chapter one faith you may not know what you believe right now. You're in the middle of chapter 1 and too many people walk away from God in chapter 1. I told you this isn't an easy message because I love those messages where you have a couple jokes, some great points, tie it with a bow and you go home happy. But this sermon isn't like that today. This is real life. And we need to know how to deal with trials when they come. Some of you are in chapter 1 and chapter 1 is your just wondering, God, where are you in the middle of all of this? Can we be honest? How many of you have ever said that? God, where are you in the middle of this? Okay, I'm preaching at the right church. 
we are wondering what God is. Chapter 2 isn't much better. (laughs) Chapter 2, we are waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And if you've ever waited in a doctor's office, it's the most uncomfortable place you could ever be. Just waiting on that name to be called. Sometimes God will take you through a wandering season, seasons of doubt, and then he'll make you wait. But then I promise you, if you'll hold on to chapter 3, God will teach you that no matter what happens, he's still in control. Chapter 1, verse 5, let's move on. This is God's response. He says, look at the nations and watch. And be utterly amazed, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. He said, just watch what I'm about to do. The Hebrew word here, a tamah, simply means an alarming amazement. Habakkuk was alarmed at what God just said. He said, just watch what I'm going to do. To be uh, to, to, to marvel at, to be utterly amazed. And this is what he says. He says, I'm raising up a group that's even more evil than you are. That ruthless and impetuous people, listen to the words here, who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. Listen to God talk. He says, they are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves, promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swooping to devour. This doesn't seem like a group of people that I want to come in contact with. It goes on and on. It says in in 9, they all come intent on what? Violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. Here's the story. Here's what God says. Habakkuk, I know you guys haven't been what I want you to be. You haven't been all that good. We're just going to come to an agreement there. But these people are much worse. (laughs) And I'm going to raise them up to destroy you. And that's when he's like, wait a second, God, that's not right. That's not fair. Why in the world would you do something like that to me? So here's the deal. When you are in the middle of chapter 1 and you're not sure what you believe, you want to believe, but you've got so many questions, can you still be a deeply committed believer with a lot of questions? And here's something that I hope will be uh, just absolutely amazing to you. A deeply committed believer can express simultaneous questions and still have their faith. A deeply committed believer. How's that true? Mark chapter 9. You can read the story if you want. We're not going to read it all because of time this morning. But we have a dad who has a son who's possessed with an evil spirit. He's possessed something fierce. And he, he's just crying out to God to help his son. And, and, and Jesus comes in and, and he says, do you believe that I can heal Jesus? He says, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. 
He says, God, I want to believe, but what you don't understand is my son's been sick for quite some time and he's been praying and I've been praying and we've had questions and we're not sure what's really going on here. So God, yes, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Let me tell you something. It's okay to have questions and still trust God. And so Jesus here in this story basically says, I'm about to do something that you would have never believed had you been told. So we get to verse 12. Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You have made people like the... Listen to what he says. He said the wicked pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them up. He's saying, God, you're letting these evil people come in and destroy us. Still asking questions. God, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. And here's the truth. Many people today think that a pastor is supposed to have every answer in the book. That we come here Pastor, tell me what I should do. And can I tell you, there are times when you will call me or sit in my room and I'll say, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why all of this happens the way it does. I don't always have an answer as to why people go through this and some others don't. But what I do know is this, is that through it all, God is still good. Some of you right now, you're in chapter one. And I've got bad news, just like I told you, chapter two is not much better. But this is where he's at. Chapter one, he's wondering. Chapter two, he's waiting. But the chapter three faith that we're going to get to in just a couple weeks says this. That I will serve and worship God, not because of what I see but because of who I know him to be in my heart. And I know that he's good. And that's where we have to get to that place where I know that my God is good. No matter what the media says, and can I say, side note here, sometimes it's better to turn the TV off. The Bible is true. Every word in it, this Bible is alive. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is the good news. And it has every answer of any situation that we'll face today. If you will stay grounded in your word, hell can break loose in your life. But your salvation will never change because Jesus is your rock. That's the type of faith. That we have to have. So no matter what goes on around you. Wrestle with him. But embrace him. You may wrestle with God. And that means no matter what's going around you. 
You say, God, I don't understand, but you embrace him. You never let go because no matter what happens, I can't promise you things will get better right then. But I can't promise that he'll never let go. I have a message right now and then we're going to close. For every single person online, for every single person watching online or in this room, if you're dealing with anxiety, with pressure, with an enormous weight, dealing with a situation that seems too hard for you to control, ask the questions. Cry out to God. Wrestle with Him. But then have that moment where you cry, scream, shout, snot, do what you got to do. I'm serious. Get in the presence of an almighty God and see what he can do. Embrace him. Embrace him. Embrace him. The band and the praise team would come. We'll do something a little bit different. I'm not going to ask the altar team to come up like they did the last couple weeks. We're going to pray together as a church because I feel that there's a lot of people in this room that are going through this right now. Unanswered questions. Things just don't seem right. The band's going to sing a song and we're going to worship one more time before we close. There's a lot of you right now that are in chapter one. And if you lose, your, if you lose what you believe in the chapter one, you may miss God. But if you're here today and you say, I'm willing to hold on just a little bit longer. I'm willing to hold on to his unchanging hand. I'm willing to trust him even in the tough times. Chapter 2 may come and you have to wait a little bit. But chapter 3 will come. And you'll say, if the fruit doesn't grow, fine. If the cows don't produce the food, fine. If things don't happen the way that I want them to, fine. Yet I still trust him. With all eyes closed and all heads bowed, you say, Pastor, I'm in chapter one. I've got questions. Would you raise your hand? <laughs> all over this place. All over this place. Pastor, I have doubts. It's okay. You may even have somebody that you love that doesn't know Christ. Raise your hand. Not just about every single one in this church. Embrace God this morning. Lord God, I'm asking you right now under the sound of my voice that every single person who had their hand raised, that your Holy Spirit would rest upon them right now. In this room, Father, right now, there are questions. There are doubts. There's an uneasiness. God, there's questions as to why things are happening the way that they are. And God, I may not always have the answers, but I can point them to the one that does. So right now, God, we're trusting you for every single person in this room. God, I pray that they would embrace you right now in this moment. That they would leave this place today changed and different. Not because of something that I've said, but because of the power of a living God working inside of them.
So God, as we worship and as we sing one last song, one more time, allow your Holy Spirit, allow your presence to engulf this place. God, to fill every person in this room with a sense of peace, to know that I can walk out these doors today. And no matter what the world throws at me, I am an overcomer because Jesus is in my heart. So God, let the peace that passes all understanding Guard our heart and mind in Christ Jesus.